0: new year means more new episodes of when i'm not podcasting thanks for being here listening in Substack, you haven't heard about that but it's been kind of in the rumblings right now for journalists out there and now it's becoming more commonplace this is the thing now you can say what you want about media and uh, corporate media which i talk about the media establishment now they're going to go by a certain narrative of what they talk about and listen i'm not trying to talk about political. But we know that because of the, the lack of money they're getting, the kind of paywalls they're putting up, the clickbait they're putting out, you could tell that all these different news organizations are hurting. And on my broadcaster's podcast not so long ago, I went through a comprehensive view of the journalism state of journalism in 2020. And so the new year is going to be like this. So if people feel like social media, you know, there's always going to be news. There has been a little bit of a lack of new outlets for content and for social media. Now, what we do normally see is there's always new social media outlets to come by and come around. What's going on right now with some of the social media outlets, I mean, the Twitters and the Facebooks of the world, they're getting hit with antitrust lawsuits. Now, this is a story that has not been talked about much, but the attorneys general, like 38 to 40, in two different cases, one for Facebook, one for Twitter, they're going after antitrust. The idea is, is that when companies are too big and that they, they own too much, then the idea is that they need to be broken up. Now, is it a good thing or not? I can't say that. But the one thing is that, you know, if you feel like you can't get your voice heard in one place, and you feel like you don't want to be held by some large bloated soft uh, social media place that you can't get your word out, then you'll go somewhere else with it. And that's the idea. You know, we don't have local newspapers that are very dominant and prominent, right? We don't necessarily have regional or local content. Everything's on a global scale. So what's happening is we need to have places where we can still have citizen journalists, where we can still have information that goes to a different narrative. Like for me, my broadcasters podcast i like talking about the media industry as a whole and the truth is it is a show that it's filling a void but that's because i want to fill that void it's because i'm consumed in it i'm a media file i'm a radio file first and heart but i'm a media file overall i like watching media content and understanding it but there is certain types of content i enjoy and i also like the behind the scenes, the workings, the intricate fabric that makes the media run from the creative end to the corporate end. I'm always fascinated by it. That's why I do a show called The Broadcasters Podcast that talks about the headlines and deal with that and talk to the people that are behind the scenes or in front of the headlines or in front of the camera in front of the microphone talking about it. I like talking about that. This is something that interests me and I think it would too for you as well. Put it like this. People want to go ahead and be able to put their own content up. That's what YouTube's good for. That's what TikTok, Instagram, whatever kind of form of content you want. Long, short, whatever. The other thing, too, is that when you're a blogger and you want to write, you don't want to be on a camera or on a microphone. You want to be able to use the pen or literally use your typewriter or typewriter. Use your keyboard on your computer, your laptop, whatever, to go ahead and write stories and tell a story at length, which is good. So the idea is we want to have places where you can do that. And people try to do it with Facebook posts or they try to do it with Twitter posts. It's not the same thing. And people might not go to certain blogs because there's a certain narrative that is going to be told by those writers they must follow. So they're not going to worry about that either. So they want to find a place where they can go and hone their craft and actually talk. So one of the newest things is out there that's becoming very popular is called Substack. As we know, there are new social media platforms out there. There are new media platforms, period, that come out all the time. And some are coming to the surface bigger than others. And one of these is Substack. Now here's what they're saying about Substack. This is from neimanlab.org. So they're saying that Substack isn't a new model for journalism, it's a very old one. So since 2017, Substack has provided aspiring web punish from one-stop distribution for their work in collecting fees from the readers. Unlike many paywall mechanisms, it's simple for both writer and subscriber to use. Writers upload what they've written to the site. The readers pay from 5 to $50 a month for subscription and get to read the work. It's kind of the writer's only, fan, only fans, isn't it? So enticed from the independence from editorial oversight Substack offers, there are a number of people that have decided to go ahead and jump on who were prominent reporters in the media field. Andrew Sullivan, Glenn Greenwald, Anne Helen Peterson, and Matthew Iglesias, with a Y and an I. They're now striking out on their own. They've also helped to, Substack has also helped to elevate a few commentators. So the co-founder is Heather, to me, Hamish McKenzie, excuse me, and he's made a promise to an earlier journalistic revolution Likening Substack to the penny papers in the 1830s, when printers exploited new technology to make newspapers cheap and ubiquitous. Those newspapers sold on the street for a penny and were the first to exploit mass advertising to lower newspapers' purchase prices. Proliferating throughout the United States, they launched the new media era. So, According to this writer that wrote the story for Neiman Lab, they say that they believe journalism's history offers more context for considering Substack's future. If it is successful, it will remind news consumers they are paying for good journalism. The paying for good journalism is worth it. But if their pricing precludes widespread distribution of its news and commentary, its value as a public service wouldn't be fully re- reconno- recognized. But again, we're not worried about that so much. I mean, again, this is you know, if you're putting out free content, that's meant to be a public service, but this is paid for content. I mean, it's a different story. It's just, you know, you are following the story writer. It's an opinion. It could be news, news based on the information they gather, and then you determine it from there. But again, it's not them representing a publication. The publications need to be serving the public good. But The individual writers, they might have an opinion towards their pieces or towards their stories unless they offer more than enough contextual analysis or they offer enough sources. And then they're not offering any kind of opinionated dialogue within their stories. Some of them are doing that right now, and that's great. Now, Substack isn't prioritizing advertising revenue and pricing content at recurring subscription levels. It's restricting. Rather than expanding access to news and commentary that for a long time, news organizations have traditionally provided free on the web. Well, here's what's going on, okay? What's happening is people don't want to, they can get free news all they want, but people are now willing to dig for news because the news that's out there from the the mainstream corporate media establishment they're not trusting it. Again, we've seen the stories that the trust in news media is at an all-time low. People don't trust the media anymore. They don't trust the bigger sources, the bigger papers, because those are made for money. They're made to be making money with. Meanwhile, people want to go and hear real content that's not based on how many clicks you get. It's based on the story itself and getting the story out there in a source that can be found that's more important. That's why Substack's the most so important right here. That's why I think it's a quite an important resource. So people are willing, again, it's just like we're watching network TV. People don't want to consume network TV. It's for free. You're watching ads with it. Well, they don't want to watch with ads. <clears throat> and Substack's basically following the same model that most of the others, other technological models, the linear, non-linear models of the digital disruption, right? Streaming media, streaming music. Now you have... You know paid content the same idea where only fans or patreon came from it's the same idea here you're paying for premium quality content from people that you know if you followed their stories or follow their news before you trust them and now you have an added level of trust because they're not working with some big outlet having to follow the narrative of the editors-in-chief who are also being told what to do nobody has any real autonomy at a newspaper new york times washington times You know, pick a big newspaper around the country, around the world. You know, these people are not, they're not Woodward and Bernstein anymore from All the President's Men or the Pentagon Papers or whatever, things like that. We're not getting that anymore. We're not getting people that are doing like traditional investigative journalism. Some of those people do books and they do lots of books. But again, we're trying to get stories out there that are here and now. That's what some of these people are trying to do that help. And, of course, they still have their sources. They still have their ways, their means, and there's a trust for the sources to get their word out if they're going this route. It's very important. We're going along more into the Neiman Lab story. History has shown that the economic basis of American journalism is deeply entangled with its style and tone, while one primary primary revenue source replaces another, much larger evolutions in the information environment occur. Now they go into some history going back. And moving along, they say that there are more recent antecedents to Substack's go it yourself ethos. Blogging, which proliferated in the US media ecosystem earlier this century, encouraged profuse and diverse news commentary. Blogs revived the opinionated incentive that James Gordon Bennett loved to publish in The Herald. But they also served as a final vital, vital fact checking mechanism for American journalism. The direct parallel between blogging and substacks platform has been widely noted. So they put a little subsect that says information doesn't want to be free. Even if Substack proves simply an updated blogging service with an uncomplicated toll booth, it still represents improvement over the tip jar financing model. And reader appeals that have revealed the financial weakness of all but the most famous blogs. Remember, people didn't have their own blogs. But then again, it's the well those blogs are meant to be monetized. This is a subscription model. So it's being controlled and, you know, they're not trying to editorialize the content people want to go and listen, they want to read it, they'll pay for it. Just like if they find a paper, they do the same thing. They pay like a monthly fee. It would be the same kind of money they would have spent on newspapers back in the day. Because people, I think, are starting to realize we want to get back to paying for our news. We'll pay a certain amount. We'll invest in good news. That's why some publications will still get that. I mean, and even with like the New York Times and the Washington Post and the Wall Street Journal, there's still some... Uh, content that's there that's worth paying for and that's what goes on but then some of the stories we get out there that are easily accessible that are for free that you could read on their website or you know go out and look for that somebody will also report on those are the ones that people are having critical issues with misguided media corporations persuaded the web's earliest news consumers that big advertisers would sustain a healthy news ecosystem that didn't need to charge readers Yet that economic model pioneered by the penny papers has clearly failed. This is very well said. Yet that economic model pioneered by the penny papers has clearly failed, and journalism is still sorting out the ramifications of the industry and democracy of its collapse. But again, what needs to happen here is journalists want to be able to get paid for what they're doing. They need to go and be able to make a de- decent living. So if they get enough subscribers to their Substack uh user accounts then that's what's going to work it costs money to produce professional ethical journalism whether in the 1830s 1980s or the 2020s web surfing made us forget this very good point right here let me read that one more time it costs money to produce professional ethical journalism whether in the 1830s 1980s or 2020s now there's a lot of money being spent on news on cable and network but the difference is You're still paying for those. You still have all those ads up there. And for cable, you're paying the subscription fees for that. But that's just still free news. It's like built into the cake, baked into the cake. They're still going to go and have their news out there, but it still makes it a point that it doesn't matter, right? I mean, that's the whole point. It still doesn't matter what's going on with what's being put here there isn't to be said about how journalism still fits best if you do go this route because the idea is before this you know there was only so much news that was out there fit to report right and the thing was that's it's kind of like where it goes wrong right now but like with the news you would have certain stories that would need the visual elements that's what network and cable news were actually offered now Do you notice we don't get that many stories where we get a lot of visual elements? We get reporting from out in the field. Not so much. Why is it we get so much reporting that is just, okay, maybe we get reporters out there talking about certain things, but in like cable, the cable news, it's all pundits. It's all people talking about the news, but there's no reporting. There's nothing more of the reporting. Like the news side's not there. It's mostly commentary, but that's because they saw how AM radio worked doing that for a lot of different shows, they decided to take that same format and move it on to cable. That's the idea. It's the same thing. And that's why some of the people that are there actually have been on radio. Okay, Sean Hannity, Laura Ingram, Rachel Maddow. You know, they were all radio hosts. Think about that. That's that's actually how it worked. And some of them tried other ways, Bill O'Reilly and Glenn Beck. And, you know, like think about it. Ed Schultz, I mean, there's a lot of different, and that goes on both sides of the aisle, by the way, as well. Just keep that in mind. But Substack's ability to de- democratize information will be directly related to the prices as it, uh, authors choose to charge. If prices are kept low, or if discounts for multiple bundle subscriptions are widely implemented, audiences will grow, and Substack's influence will likely, be on, likely go beyond an elite readership. And that's what goes on. I think... That's exactly how you do the model. You monetize by saying, okay, listen, you get a free, you know, you get a lower price for, you know, going month or you you might get a certain price for the initial, you know, start a trial. You give them like a month at a certain price discounted. But then what you do is you charge less for the length they stay on because you want them to stay on and keep on with the frequency of going to your site and going to your sub stack to follow what's going on. I love that idea. I think it's found that fascinating. It's just like authors. If you're telling books, but these people are writing and reporting on a regular basis. As long as they keep putting out content on a regular basis and they're getting paid for it, it's a win-win situation. That's what matters to me. And what I might do is I might go ahead and include this into my broadcasters podcast as a separate segment. I feel like this just felt so good. I want to go ahead and bring that in as well. So we're going to bring that in to that show as well. But from right now, this was good. I thought this was good for when I'm not podcasting and I'll talk to you next time.